Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. If you'll hold your hand up, we can get one to you. If you don't, if you weren't here for some reason last Monday, Wednesday night, we do have uh, lesson number one, and that'll be available uh, right now, actually. If you didn't get last week's, if you'd like one, uh, there's several. Hey, uh, Valerie, or somebody out there, Ed, could you bring lesson number, lesson number one in for some people? She's on her way. Well, while she's getting that, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you tonight for your grace. It is absolutely amazing in our lives. Thank you for all that you accomplish and work and fulfill in our lives by the power of your grace. We ask for your help again tonight, grace right now to flow in our lives and in this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Um, lesson number one, did anybody still need back in the back? And one over several over here, and we may need more. So praise God. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna open with a few one-liners. So what I'd like to ask you to do tonight, just before I read these one-liners is I want you right now, just go ahead and laugh. (laughs) That's good because that may be the only laugh I get from these, okay? So, one-liners. Well, or actually, never mind, okay. Where did Captain Hook purchase his hook? At the second-hand store. (laughs) What do you call a sad latte? Depresso. What's the difference between a guitar and a fish? You can tune a guitar, but you can't tune a fish. How do you stop an astronaut's baby from crying? You rock it. Okay, moving along. You laughed much better when I asked you to laugh, so. But thank you for that. We are continuing our study tonight on grace. It is amazing, isn't it? And so rather than do a a, uh, refresher on last week, if you weren't here last week, I build every one of these classes kind of as a standalone class, so you're not going to be lost uh, in this class tonight, but it would be good to go through that. Uh, There are some fill-in-the-blanks there. Uh, and there's a cheat sheet on the back, so if you miss it or it's hard to write where you are, you can fill it in later. There's the, the answers are on the back sheet. Um, our Bibles, all, most of us, probably everybody here knows, our Bibles are, are divided between the Old and New Testaments, right? The word testament means uh, covenant, contract, or agreement. The Old Testament was God's old agreement between himself and his people. The New Testament, it's God's new agreement with us. And if you haven't already figured it out, 
the new agreement is a whole lot better than the old. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 19 through 22 says, For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, speaking of Jesus. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now tell yourself it's a whole lot better in the new. Okay, the old agreement God had with his people is referred to as the law. And you know, even, even saying it uh, carries uh, kind of an intimidating sound, doesn't it? The law. And so God gave Ten Commandments to his people, and they agreed to do them. So you remember Moses in, in the wilderness with the, the Hebrews, and so the, the law was given, and they all said, we will do it. Now, there was a big problem with the law, and that was man's weakness. Uh, probably everyone who heard it and said, we will do it, thought at the time, of course we can do that. You know, I mean, it's ten, ten rules, ten laws, and we can do that. And they said, they all entered in the covenant with God and said, all right, we'll do it. But no matter how good their intentions were, they were unable to fulfill the requirements of the law. All the Old Testament did was lay down the law. It was lacking in that it didn't give the people the ability to keep it. And that's why Hebrews 7 verse 19 says, For the law made nothing perfect. Now the New Testament or new agreement God made with his people is a whole lot better. And one of the things, the, one of the big things that makes God's new agreement with us so much better is grace. And this is what John is referring to in John chapter 1, verse 14 through 17. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, or grace on top of grace. For the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ." Isn't that good? So God became a man and the person of Jesus Christ, and through Christ, he revealed, God revealed his grace. What the law lacked was the ability uh, to pull off being able to obey God and fulfill God's requirements, and that's exactly what grace provides is ability, the ability to do what God has asked us to do. And so we're going to talk about this tonight and again next week 
We're going to talk about grace and how it comes to us, and then also grace flowing through us. But this difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament leaves kind of an unspoken question that some believers uh, uh, have about God, and I want to address it tonight, and this is the Roman numeral one, and that is, is God nicer in the New Testament than He was in the Old? Now, don't freak out by that Roman numeral one, because I'm going to explain it, and we're going to get to it. In John chapter 1, verse 17, says, for the law was given through Moses, but Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Some people have the idea that God was kind of mean in the Old Testament and He is nice in the New. Now, in the Old Testament, the law was laid down, wasn't it? God said, basically, do this and don't do that. And He's saying, if you do what I say... or if you don't do what I say, you're going to suffer the consequences, and the consequences are going to be severe. That was the law that came through Moses, the Old Testament, old agreement. In the New Testament, Jesus comes along, and so does grace. And when Jesus came, he uh, he was not at all what they had expected him to be, especially the religious leaders of his time. He hung out with the the worst of people in his day, tax collectors. If you've ever wondered about what is so bad about a tax collector, it's, you know, if you worked for the IRS in these days, you'd go, man, that's kind of a, uh, you know, because tax tax collectors. But back in those days, tax collectors were, and I'll just put it simply, were rip-off con men. Uh, they collected taxes for the government, but they also pocketed it, and they were, they were not held in high esteem in their day and hour. And we all know, never mind, I'm not going to get into today. I'll leave that alone. Uh, but Jesus hung out with, with tax collectors and prostitutes and people with multiple personalities. He, he didn't mind going up to uh, a leper and putting his hands on him and speaking wholeness to his life. Jesus uh, opened up blind eyes and deaf ears and lame people. It even says he healed the maimed, and that is people that were missing limbs. And so uh, he, did all, he hung out with the, the worst of the worst, and his, they felt like they could come to him. Here was, and we were talking about in the office the other day, here was the most holy people or person who ever was. He was God, but he was man, and he was a perfect man. He lived a perfect life. He was the most holy person who ever lived, and yet the worst of the worst felt like they could come to him. Isn't that amazing? Because he was full of grace. They called him a friend of sinners. And you know, when they called him a friend, it wasn't a compliment. You know, like, oh man, he's such a, such a nice guy. He likes sinners. No, it wasn't a compliment. It was a complaint. The religious people of his day couldn't believe that he would hang out with the kind of people that he hung out with. He ate with people that they would never even associate with. 
Uh, sometimes even if he was in a Pharisee's house, one of the religious people's house, uh, somebody would come in, a woman one time, a couple of times, came in with a very uh, notorious background and reputation and wept over his feet and wiped his feet with her tears and anointed him with oil and all of that. And they just, ooh, they couldn't believe it. The guy, the Pharisee's house that he was at said, oh, I can't believe he would let her t- touch him. If he only knew, if he were really a prophet, he would know. Ooh, disgusting. And what he was thinking was, this is shameful. And it wasn't shameful. It was graceful, graceful, full of grace. And so he lavished forgiveness and healing on all kinds of people. The Old Testament was defined by law and judgment. The New Testament is defined by grace and forgiveness. The news a whole lot better. Tell yourself again, it's a whole lot better. So then here's the question again, did God get nicer between the Old and New Testaments. Now, some people kind of think of him that way, that the Old Testament, he was mean and judgmental, but in the New Testament, he's really nice and forgiving. So, A, God did not experience a personality change. Uh, Here, that was the first one, which you got, and there's the second one. I forget I have a PowerPoint here. So God didn't experience a personality change. Aren't, aren't you glad that God doesn't go through personality changes? He didn't get nicer between Malachi and Matthew. So the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. New Testament begins with the book of Matthew. And between Malachi and Matthew, he didn't go through some kind of personality change. He's always been the same. Malachi 3 verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. I'm glad for that. I'm glad God doesn't change. I'm glad that he doesn't change his opinion from one day to the next and change his mind about things from one day to the next, aren't you? And so he didn't have a change of heart one day and think, you know, I was kind of a Uh, ticked off in the Old Testament. But you know, now in the New, I've decided to be a kinder, gentler God. His nature has always been the same. He's always been kind. He's always been gentle. He's always been loving, caring, and forgiving. Uh, He has never changed in how he is. B, what did change and changed drastically is how he deals with us. In the Old Testament, he dealt with people according to the law. Say the law. If folks did the Ten Commandments, they'd be okay. Love God, uh, don't steal, don't covet, don't sleep around. Uh, If they didn't follow those rules or laws, they'd be in a world of hurt. But God made a way for them to be their sin, if they messed up, for their sin to be covered, and that was through animal sacrifices. The problem with the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament was 
is that they kept messing up and they had to offer the same sacrifices year after year after year. There was no character or life change in them when they uh, offered up a cow or a, a goat or a lamb or something like that. So, after approximately 1,300 years of living under the law, mankind kind of figured out that the law, even though it was perfect, they weren't. We weren't. And that was God's whole reason for giving the law, so that we would know we can't be good on our own. We, we figured that out, haven't we? Romans 3 verse 19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. And this was the purpose of the law. And it was basically to shut us up, that every mouth be stopped. Uh, and what it was stopping us from saying was, well, you know, I, God, if God just tells me what to do, I'll do it. I'll be all right. God, you, you tell me what to do, and I'll do it. I'm basically a good person, and if God will tell me what to do, I'll do it. But the law came, was given, and it shut our mouths, didn't it? We began to figure out, mankind figured out, or at least this is the reason why the law was given, was so that we would understand we can't do it on our own. We can't be good on our own. And the law shut our mouth. Now tell yourself, well, shut my mouth. <laughs> Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now tell yourself, that means me. We know that we have sinned. We come short of the glory of God. We can't uh, make ourselves better. So, the New Testament was God's new way of dealing with us, and it was and is with grace. Now tell yourself, thank God. Remember that testament means covenant, contract, or agreement. It's how God promises to deal with us. And so 1 John 1.14 again says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God's new way of dealing with us is full of grace. At the Last Supper, Jesus was illustrating uh, the meaning of His death with the breaking of the bread or, and His body broken, the cup uh, uh, signified his blood that was shed. And in Matthew 26, 28, he said, this is my blood of what? The New Testament, the new agreement, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And this is really important because Jesus was, base, was not just basically, he was saying uh, through this, that things are about to radically change for the better. Amen. Tell yourself, it's better. Amen. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6 says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on 
better promises. And so today, in this place, in this building, or if you're viewing uh, online or listening to this later online, uh, it's better. Better covenant, better agreement. God's better agreement, and it's established on better promises. We have the promise of a better life in the New Testament, new agreement. And everybody said, thank you, Jesus. Romans 3.24 says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 and verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so we could not do it on our own, could we? But God made a way for anyone who was willing and desirous of forgiveness to be forgiven, and it was by faith in His grace. The Old Testament showed us that we couldn't even begin to do it on our own. We need a lot of help. Tell yourself, I need a lot of help. That was pretty good emphasis. Thank you. Uh, and, And... We know, God, you know, I cannot help myself. I cannot do it on my own. I need you to help me. And this is what's so amazing about grace is because it helps. This is what grace does. It helps us. Grace is here to help. Now say, help me, Lord. In Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, It says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, this is an excellent description of what grace does. It's here to help in the time of need. Again, John 1, 16 and 17, of his fullness we've all received, grace for grace. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, uh, uh, now as we're going through this class tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at two areas. There's so many areas where grace helps us in our need. Uh, And I could talk, uh, we could we could carry on in this class for weeks talking about all the things that grace does in us and has promised to us. And so because I don't want to keep you here for a whole week solid talking about all the things about, uh, we're going to touch on just two tonight, two areas where God's grace helps us. And the first of these is God helps us be good. (laughs) Now tell yourself, be good. Uh, I was thinking about my grandmother uh, when I would go back to the South and visit family. My grandmother, she was just, she was so great, uh, loving and, and all. And she never liked to say goodbye. She never let me say goodbye. And we called her Gamma. She never, she said, don't say goodbye. And so I wouldn't say goodbye. But in her parting words, when, when I was leaving, some of the last words that she would speak to me when I left, she wouldn't say goodbye, but you know what she'd say? Be good. Now, she did this 
as I was an adult, you know, and, and I, was, I was a pastor. I, I really, you know, and it isn't like pastors don't need help being good, but I just always kind of wondered about, I wonder what, she, what she's thinking, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I do need help being good, and we all do, don't we? That was pretty weak. We all need help being good, don't we? After we get saved. See, we can't, we can't do it before we got, get saved because we don't have grace flowing. But now, when we get saved, grace begins to flow, and it helps us be good. The law didn't make people better. It was good for what it did. It shut our mouths and revealed our condition that we're sinners, and we couldn't be good on our own. But grace comes to help us be good. Now, an observation I've made over the years is that, that some, some of the Christians who struggle with sin the most in their lives are oftentimes the, one, the ones who are the most uh, rigid, legalistic, follow the rules, and, and oftentimes critical of others and things like that because what they're doing is they're trying to fulfill and live for God on their own, uh, just I can I'm just gonna do it and follow, I'm gonna follow the rules and all that. But see, that's the law, and we can't do it, can we? On our own. In John 8:32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Grace and truth came through Jesus, and the truth of grace will free us. Grace will help us be good. Okay? So, this is important because it's completely the opposite of what some people think about grace, even in our day and time. Some people think today that, well, if it's grace, then it really doesn't matter what I do, right? Thank you. In Romans 6, 13 through 15, Paul is addressing this issue, and he says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you are, listen, no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Did you get that? So what Paul is addressing here, and he's saying you're really missing the whole point of grace. Grace isn't so that we can just go ahead and do anything that we want in our lives, and it doesn't really matter. You can just go ahead and because, you know, it's just grace. Grace gives us the power to be able to say no to sin and those things that are not good for us. It's the power to be good. Grace. Tell yourself, grace is the power to be good. Okay, so just, a, just a, an example of this. You know why I don't get drunk or high now? Well, 
for one reason, because you guys will fire me if I do. But no, no, no that's, that's, not, that's not the reason. I, I thought of that tonight as I was going over these notes. I thought, no, I that's probably should have probably not even said that. No. But no, it's, that is, a, you know, the real reason I'm going to, this is, this is the way it is in me. The reason I don't get drunk or high now is because I, I don't want to. And really, better yet, I don't have to. See, before I got saved, you know why I got drunk and high? Because I wanted to. <laughs> and not only wanted to, but I really had to. I, I never have really considered myself, uh, uh, I wasn't a drug addict. I didn't do real hard drugs. I did a couple of things here and there, but I smoked a lot of pot and I drank often. <laughs> and so I, if I was by myself, I really didn't, I didn't get drunk on my own by myself and all, but, but if I was with my friends or on a date or something, I was usually drunk or high or 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 at least getting that way. And so I just, I could not picture myself before I got saved not living that way. I really couldn't. I, 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 it, it may sound weird to some of you that I hadn't dealt with that even before you got saved, but with me, I just couldn't see myself not getting high or, or drinking a lot. And so anyway... When I got saved, you know what happened? Grace came into my life, and with it, freedom. So now, and after I got saved, it was just a little bit after I got saved, I start, stopped drinking, and I start, stopped getting high. I had within about two weeks after I got saved, somebody came to me in my trailer court and asked, was going to give me a, a, a bag of uh, weed, and I told them, no, thank you. I don't do that anymore. Don't need it. Don't want to. Didn't want to get a high. Didn't need to. Before, I needed to. I wanted to and all. And so, and by using that illustration, if you're here tonight, you're, you're a believer, you saved, and you still get drunk or get high, what my statement is, is we don't have to. And we can be free because of grace. And we're going to pray in a little bit uh, about things. So, this grace will help us in whatever weakness we have. Uh, if there, it's an addiction, or if it's a bad habit, or whatever weakness we ha may have in our life, grace is there to help, even with a bad temper. Somebody say, help me, Lord. Give me grace. You know, grace is there to help us not be selfish. You know, the number one plague really among people today is selfishness. Uh, it's, 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 we're so looking out for ourselves, and grace will help us. And I still need grace to help me get over being selfish. So grace is there to help us in whatever need. What's so amazing about grace is all we have to do is ask. I'm going to read again Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, actually uh, I'll just read verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Someone uh, was talking about Hebrews 4 and made this observation. They said, mercy is forgiveness for what we've done. Uh, 
Grace gives us the power so we don't have to keep on doing it. Isn't that good? Grace is to help us be good. And so if we're a Christian and we're struggling with sin in, a, in, a, in one or more areas, I would say, and I'm just going to kind of level it down to one of two reasons. One is we may just not be ready to stop whatever it is. The reality is in, in all of our lives, we have to come to places of decisions and choices about what we do in our lives and what we do with our lives, right? And so whatever it is, and I want you to hear me clearly tonight, whatever it is that we may be struggling with or addicted to or bad habit, whatever that may be, listen, grace is there to help. And, and we have seen, and I have seen in, in decades of ministry and just living for God, Everything imaginable that people are bound by or have a habit of being set free because of grace, God's grace. So we may not be ready to stop whatever it is. We may need to make a choice and a decision. God's not going to slap uh, the bottle out of our hand or whatever it is. He's not going to. He's not going to blow our computers up if we're looking at something that we shouldn't be looking at. Though it wouldn't be a bad idea, you know, sometime. But, that, but he, at least historically, God hadn't been blowing computers up or all over the city or country or world. Anyway, grace is there to help. And so, one, we need to make a decision. But then secondly, uh, if we're struggling or wrestling, Maybe it is that we just haven't come for grace to help. And so grace is there to help us be good, right? Thank you. All right, B, and we're going to close with this thought just a little bit. Grace is there to help us be nice. Grace is there to help us be good. Grace is there to help us be nice. Uh, Every... Once in a while when Cindy and I have been driving and I get irritated with somebody or something driving, uh, Cindy will reach over and, and tap my knee and say, be nice. Be nice. You haven't had to do that in a while, huh? You know why? Grace. I'm going to carry on. So I don't know. Uh, we need to be nice as God's people. You know, I don't know if you've, yeah, you have realized it. There are a lot of mean people in this world. And I can tell you something more. There's some mean people here in Kingman. In fact, I'll go one step further. Never mind. Christians ought to be nice. And that we ought to be good. We ought to be nice. And grace is there to help us be nice. The Pharisees were a mean bunch. You know, Jesus uh, oftentimes healed on a Sabbath day, healed a blind man, a woman that was stooped over, and Jesus healed her, a man that had a withered hand. It was straightened out. And, and, you know, you would think that everybody would be happy about these people getting healed. 
wouldn't you? But they weren't. The Pharisees were so mad, they were mad enough to kill him because he did it on the Sabbath day. They were more and, and cared more about their rules than they did about people. And listen, that's typical of religion without God or grace. There was a little girl's prayer, and it went like this. God, make all the bad people good and the good people nice. <laughs> I like that. Grace will help us be nice. In Ephesians 4, 29, it says, let, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. <clears throat> As God's people, we're not only meant to receive grace, but we're meant to impart it or to give it. And I'm, I'm going to concentrate on this and go into it a little more in depth next week about us as individuals and us as a church giving grace. <clears throat> but we are called to be gracious. <clears throat> All of us at times have found ourselves being mean, haven't we? Critical, judgmental, harsh, people that we live with, people we go to church with, people we work with, the guy driving next to us, all of that. And have you ever thought to yourself, I don't want to be a mean Christian? There's four of us here. And so we need grace to help us be nice. And we need to remember really to, to what will help us be nice is remember how much grace God has given us. It's a lot easier to give grace to other people when we remember how patient God has been with us, huh? Okay, I want to just wrap this up. We're going to pray in just a moment. I, want to, I do want to pray specifically uh, for some, some things tonight, but I want to repeat several verses or speak several verses, and, and Hebrews 4, 16 is a repeat. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I know that in this building, and I, if you're listening to this online, that there are those of us who need to find grace, need to find it. So, so you say, well, where do I find it? With the grace giver, the one who's full of grace and truth. That's where we find grace. I I want to find it when I need it, don't you? So he says, find grace to help in the time of need. And so tonight, or if you're viewing and listening online, God, Jesus, is here to give grace in whatever area of need it is. Amen. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And this is a, really kind of another, a subject for another time, but oftentimes grace and righteousness are linked together. There, there are verses in the New Testament where it talks about and links grace with righteousness. Grace is the ability to be able to not, not just receive the righteousness of God, the imparted what God gives us when we get saved. He gives us 
His righteousness, but grace also gives us the ability to live a right life. And so all of us need that, don't we? And whatever it is, grace is there for areas that, that we need God's help in and that we cannot do for ourselves. And I want you to hear this, and then we're going to pray. Grace, we find it to help in the time of need, and it's there to help us in the things we can't do for ourselves. We couldn't get saved by ourselves, could we? And we cannot live this Christian life without grace. We, we can't do it by ourselves. And if there's something in your life <clears throat> that you know is, is displeasing to God and truthfully is displeasing to you, maybe something that uh, an ongoing addiction or habit or, uh, and it could be just uh, being mean. It may be just uh, being selfish. Uh, whatever area it is, grace is there to help us in areas what we can't do for ourselves. And maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and you say, well, I've, I, sh this sh I should have worked this out a long time ago. And I, I, I would tell you and encourage you, don't look back, look ahead. Amen. And don't uh, beat yourself up over what's in the past. Thank God our past can be past. And grace gives us the ability to go forward. And tonight, grace is there <clears throat> to help in the time of need for freedom or for enabling to be able to live the Christian life. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for us tonight and I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and it's, I've kind of left this prayer and confession in your notes. <clears throat> it's rather lengthy, but I want us to pray it together. I'm going to break it up and have you repeat it out loud, and then I'm going to pray over us. As I, after we finish praying and as I pray over us, I want to encourage you to speak out, and you don't have to speak it to where anybody else can hear it, but if there's something in your life you know that you need God's grace. You want to find God's grace tonight to help in the time of need. It, com it comes by boldly coming to his throne, and that's where we find it. Grace to help in the time of need. And so I just encourage you to call that need out and say, God, I need your grace in this area or these areas in my life tonight, and I trust you that grace is going to flow. Your ability and your power your freedom in my life. Can you say amen? amen. <clears throat> okay, let's bow our heads and let's pray. And if you'll just repeat this with me. <clears throat> Jesus, help me <clears throat> never become <clears throat> a mean, critical, judgmental, follow-the-rules religious person. <clears throat> I will give grace to others like you've given it to me. Thank you for your grace to help in my time of need. Your grace has saved me. And tonight, I believe for grace to deliver me from sin. I am free from habits and addictions 
anger, being mean, by the power of your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Now let me just pray over us tonight. Lord, right now, we thank you for the power of your grace. Thank you that you drew us to yourself. Thank you for the grace of God that drew us and that uh, helped us in getting saved. It was, uh, we believe and grace flowed. Thank you for that grace that forgave us then. Thank you for your grace that forgives us now. And tonight we speak freedom from addiction, freedom from habits, freedom from anger, freedom from selfishness, God, freedom to be kind and to give grace to others. Lord, we praise you, we thank you for the power of grace, the ability of God flowing in our lives into us and through us to others. We praise you for it in your wonderful name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. Uh, that's it. Now, next week we're going to talk about how grace comes to us and then how, and I'm going to talk more specifically about grace flowing through our lives. It really is incredible what God, and is miraculous what God can do through our lives. He can use us to give grace to others. As a church, God causes grace to flow to others and the nations, and it's an exciting thing. Praise God. God bless you. Good night. Goodbye. See you on the weekend and next Wednesday. Oh, be good, be nice, by grace. Amen. There, there is uh, Dan and Anita up here to pray individually if you'd like prayer, personal prayer. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.